Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug Lane, Maurice, Ashley Bastock and I are talking defenses in the Bengals and Browns defense and how they compare as we continue our Earning Their Stripes series uh, on the website at cleveland.com slash browns and of course here on the podcast. One quick thing here, I just want to make a correction off the top. At one point in this podcast, I mentioned the ages of some Bengals defenders and I just want to mention that I was off one year on those guys. The site I was using was projecting them to next year, it was Spotrack, and it was some of their contract stuff, so they were looking at next year's ages. So I'm just a little bit off on those ages. Those are the ages those players will be going into next year. It doesn't make much of a difference, but just a quick little correction on the ages of guys like Sam Hubbard and uh, Trey Hendrickson. Okay, if you're not a football insider subscriber, cliven.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You thought I wasn't going to say it because I was going so long here, but I am. You've got to subscribe, cleveland.com slash Browns. Get that exclusive newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. And of course, become one of our text subscribers. The blue banner at the top of the page. Click it, get info, get signed up. All right, here's our Thursday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're doing defense and special teams, really defense and kicker, I guess, more than anything. When we compare the Browns and the Bengals. Ashley, I'm going to start with you because you wrote about the kickers on Wednesday. And I guess in my mind, I've, I've oversimplified this. So I'm going to let you kind of un-oversimplify it for us. My thinking is like, hey, the Browns, the Browns need a better kicker. That's all there is to it. Like, you know, we can talk about quarterback and how tough it is to get a quarterback. We talk about, okay, the Browns need better receivers and the plan there. To me, kicker is just like, eh, go go get a better kicker. Am I oversimplifying this? I mean, for me, when I looked at this, like not only is obviously Evan McPherson like much better than Chase McLaughlin was this year. He graded out from PFF as the like number two kicker in the league uh, behind Justin Tucker, obviously. But for me, like the biggest part of this is like the Browns need to find a guy who can provide some consistency because since they didn't resign Phil Dawson after the 2012 season, they haven't made it through two seasons in a row with the same kicker. So it's just been like essentially one and done for the last 10 years. And I think McPherson kind of shows how important it is down the stretch of a season to have a guy who mentally and obviously is is talented enough, but mentally can go out there and win you the game when it comes down to it. And he's done that five times this year and three times in the playoffs. 
So I think like it's it's hard though because like Mike Prefer kind of talked about this season. You can't draft a guy for the sake of drafting somebody, but you you like need to have the right guy. And I think mentally their their ability to handle those high pressure moments is a big part of it and what teams are looking at in the NFL. But the Browns really need to like make that effort because they have not had that consistently since Phil Dawson left. I feel like we should have Terry Pluto on this podcast too if we're going to talk kickers. But Doug, are the Browns in the playoffs with a different kicker? Ooh. Uh, no. Uh, no, but <laughs> I think a good kicker would be an actual weapon for them. And I do think we saw the Browns in the second half of the season sort of reach a point where you could almost sort of tell that they didn't believe it. I mean, who would believe in Chase McLaughlin anymore? Nobody would. There's no reason to believe in him. Um, I actually think I actually have the answer to who the Browns kicker should be. Ooh. And I'm only like 5% kidding. Phil Dawson. Don't we think that Phil Dawson, what he's 47. He was in the league until 2018. He would have been better than the, what the Browns had this year. I, I don't even think that's a joke. Honestly, for real. All right. Maybe limited range, but like if you need a 43 yarder in 2022, you want 47 year old Phil Dawson or Chase McLaughlin. I'd take Phil Dawson. The thing, Dan, that I'm surprised by the way you express your like, well, just get to get like, okay, they need to get a better kicker, but like how isn't the, how they get him very important. And the whole thing is you've got to get off the scrap heap. You've got to have a plan other than the recycling bin, you know, whatever there are, there's, I don't know, Ashley, how many kickers are there in this league who are real kickers? 18, 23. I I don't know. You've got to get one of them. Chase McLaughlin was ranked 20th from PFF. So think about that. He was still ranked 20th. So real kickers. Yeah. It's, it's above 20 in this. It's hard. Like, I mean, and I know we've talked about on this podcast before, like drafting kickers, weird things can happen. Like nothing's a guarantee. It is hard to find a good kicker in the NFL. You can't just go and pick somebody up off the corner and hope they're decent. Like it doesn't work like that. It definitely, I think is a position that people, um, oversimplify in terms of how easy it might be to get somebody who is reliable. But I think over and over and over again, we've seen with the Bengals success, how important it is. And um, I know like Dan, you asked Doug, if, if you thought they would have made the playoffs with a better kicker, well, that missing that Raiders field goal, I mean, who knows what happens if he makes that? I mean, that was definitely one of the biggest misses of the year for him. He obviously in that first loss to the Ravens, he missed one. And again, like it, it becomes how, how would things have changed on the stretch of that game? Had he made it like those two misses were very big misses that in a tight division, you know, who knows what could have happened. I think the Bengals probably still end up winning the division uh, and the Browns don't make the playoffs, but there is still like kind of a, what if there, I think. Yeah. And there's probably a case to be made too, that had they had a a more reliable kicker. I mean, they didn't even have Chase McLaughlin in Green Bay. And yeah, Ashley, you and I sat there and watched Chris Nagar warm up and it was like, whoa, this dude can't make it past like 30 on yeah. half these kicks. That maybe changes your approach in the Green Bay game a little bit. I think Kevin has admitted they were they were trying to score a touchdown on that final drive, even though they didn't necessarily need one. I, I guess let me put it this way, Doug. Like when we like if you're gonna say, hey, the Browns need a better quarterback. That's complicated. That's like, okay, 
So who's available? And then how do you get that guy? And how do you, do you have to maneuver in the draft? Do you have to trade picks? You know, all of this stuff, right? That's a complicated position. To me, kicker is like, okay, you're going to use a fourth round pick on a guy at most or a fifth round pick. That's fine. I don't even think about that. Like, okay, whoops, we missed out on this year's Tony Fields. I guess that's, I guess that's the way I look at it. I think it's not easy necessarily to find the guy, but it's just not the same as like, you know, how are we going to approach this receiver position? How are you going to attack that? How much money are you going to spend? How many draft picks are you going to use? All of that. It's just, to me, it's just, yeah, go find a guy, go find a guy and get him. Like I agreed with you right up until the thing you said at the end, when you're like, I just go find a guy because go (laughs) find a guy and draft target somebody and draft them. is not the same thing as go find a guy because, but like the whole thing is you, they have to have a plan. And the thing about it is they have in the last five drafts, only 11 kickers have been drafted. Two of those kickers were drafted by the Browns and it just didn't work. So they, but they have to keep trying. So you can run through your list of free agent kickers, right? I mean, if you want to get, I don't know, get Nick Folk or something, but pay for him. Don't get a scrap heap guy. Dan, it makes me nervous when it, when you say just get a kicker, th- that includes scrap heap to me. It's like, I don't know, just get some guy that another team cuts. And that's what I don't want the Browns to have. I want them to have a guy they want. So either pay for a veteran and free agency who's been a good kicker for multiple years in this league that you don't think is going to get nervous in the second half of the year or draft a guy and hope, you know, it's not that they, they had some bad luck with Zane Gonzalez and Austin cyber, but it is like quarterback to me in like, in the idea that you have to keep trying until you get it right, Ashley, which is where I am on this. It's, it's like quarterback. You need a franchise kicker. I don't think that's too much to say. And that's not only Evan McPherson related, but a lot of good teams have good kickers. And there's some bad luck here in the 2017 draft. The Browns took Zane Gonzalez at 224 in the seventh round. And Harrison Butker went 233 in the seventh round. But he was drafted by the Panthers and he wound up with the Chiefs. And Harrison Butker is like, hey, he's a big part of the Chiefs winning, right? But you got to have a plan. Dan, whenever you say just get a kicker, it makes me feel like it's not a plan. Oh, my God. Chase McLaughlin, by the way, is not a plan. No, no, he's not. I I do wonder, though, is there a case to be made? And this is not about Chase, but like, and this is really hard at this position. Like, you have to be patient. You know, you mentioned Harrison Butker was not drafted by the Chiefs. You know, Zane Gonzalez has actually done okay for himself since the Browns let him go. Uh, you know, he had that disastrous game against New Orleans in 2018, I think it was, and they they cut him. He's been okay. And, you know, I mean, I have the kicker stuff pulled up here on PFF. He was their eighth highest graded kicker. He missed one extra point, and he was 20 of 22 on field goals uh, this year. So there's also kind of a patience factor to this. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that in the, the lens of, like, well, you have to be patient with Chase McLaughlin. But, like, when you do find that guy – if he comes out and struggles a little bit, you've got to have the confidence in him to be patient and and kind of fight through that a little. Yeah. And it's like with the Brown, you know, when we heard Mike Prefer got asked about Evan McPherson, like the last time we talked to him before the season was over and he brought up, like he went to go see him work out before the draft. And obviously the Bengals drafted him in the fifth round. So they drafted him decently high in the grand scheme of things. Um, 
And he mentioned like that everyone there at that time was like kind of talking about, you know, that certain X factor, like what I was talking about earlier with like, you know, when a guy like has a good head on his shoulders in terms of the kicker, like when you're evaluating them, the good special teams guys know that I think pretty early. So I'm kind of with you. Like if you have somebody who you really believe in, you have to give them a chance to kind of work through those lumps. Now, Evan McPherson hasn't really had to do that to a significant extent. He did start off the season a little rough and people might remember that game against the Packers where he and Crosby were, it was like a competition to just see who could make one first and win the game. And in the end it was the Packers. Um, But ultimately he, he figured it out. And it might not always be that quick with guys, but there is probably always going to be some sort of that element of things of patience. They mismanaged Jane Gonzalez. He missed two extra points and two field goals against the saints. And they cut him next day. And then it was like, Oh, he had a groin injury and that, and that, that affected him and the Browns played him. He also had a field goal blocked in week one against So in week one against the Steelers that year uh, that led to the tie. So he, the Browns could have started two and zero, and they started Oh, one and one in part because of Zane Gonzalez. And they were like, that's it. It was his second year in the league. And they probably should have just IR'd him, let his groin injury heal, brought in some other kicker and not just whacked him. But so, but it's hard because the reason that I'm all hepped up about the Browns getting a kicker and having a plan for it is because we think they should be a playoff team next year. So then it's like, oh, your your, your rookie kicker missed a couple field goals. We'll be patient. It's like, well, you know, Miles Garrett doesn't want to be patient right now. He wants people who are good, which maybe means sign of veteran. Please, I'm just, the last time I'll say it, no scrap heap, plan, plan, your choice, not reject of the week. Yeah, like we talk about these positions that, you know, we think the Browns value versus the ones they don't, like defensive tackle comes up with that a lot. Like kicker cannot be one of those positions where like they're trying to save money or like find a workaround or, or get somebody off the scrap heap, like Doug is saying. I think there needs to be more of an emphasis on it. And we saw why this year. All right, there you go. There's uh, 12 minutes on the kicker here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is why you listen to the local podcast. You're not getting 12 minutes on the Browns kicker anyplace else except Plus, right like, here like 700 words that I wrote on the kicker <laughs> that's up over at cleveland.com slash Browns right now that you can go and read. And, and by the way, I don't want to, did you mention, I'm sorry, I actually haven't had a chance. I was at the eye doctor for two and a half hours. Whatever, Doug. It's okay. <laughs> I forgive you. Did you mention Cade York in your piece at all about kickers? It's like, there is a clear best kicker. I think in the draft, it's this Cade York guy from LSU who bangs like 85 yarders or something. So I'm not saying take him in the second round, but I would not be against the Browns being the first team to draft a kicker in this draft and taking one in the fifth round or whatever. As you said, Dan, it's one of those things. Sometimes you're like, oh, sixth round pick could be Tom Brady. It's like, yeah, sometimes it's a sixth round pick is Tony Fields. Like get the kicker that might win you a game. So uh, I'm, I'm all for, and I do think, Dan, you get to reset the thing where you said that was 12 minutes on a kicker because that could be 14 and a half minutes on a kicker. I do think, I mean, you saw that analytics version of the front office, like went in on kickers, right? I mean, like they, so I think Andrew Barry probably thinks this and I do think he will target it because I bet you this is something where they know they're leaving points on the board um, and they don't want to risk it as much as they did this year. All right. So officially 13 minutes and 30 seconds on the kicker. (laughs) 
I think we need to take a breather after that. We're going to do an early break here, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the defenses. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Time to talk about the Bengals and Browns defenses. So we like to do drafts on this podcast. We're going to do a coach draft later this week. We don't have to actually do a draft here, but just as a, like, run it through your mind. If we were drafting defensive players on both teams, how many Browns would you take before you took a Bengals defender? So, and I, I literally just sprung this question on you guys right now. Yeah, I have Doug's story pulled up. Uh, I mean, I, I dug in on the, the talent comparison. Not, not a million. Uh, two, Three? maybe? Is it? I mean, D- Miles would be the first pick. And I even called, I mean, the, the Bengals corners played pretty well this year i mean i thought they had a is a woozy had like a really high pff rating so i guess denzel will be the second pick but they have then i think you do get into the trey hendrickson jesse bates bond bell group of guys that they have some dudes but but certainly miles will be the first pick and probably denzel too i don't know ashley what you think yeah i would say those two and maybe jok before Hendrickson. Hendrickson would be my first Bengal off the board. I don't think that's necessarily controversial. Um, I would say probably there. I would say maybe three or four Browns in the top five, though, because kind of like what we talked about with the defense, like the the good parts of this defense are really good to me. So um, I would definitely take Miles, Denzel, probably JOK, then Hendrickson. And some of it, I guess, is what you're I guess what you're looking for, you know, JOK is kind of an upside pick. You know, you mentioned a Doug, you know, he's a little older than Greg Newsom. Maybe you would take the, the 21 or I don't know, it's Greg Newsom 22. Now he's really young. Would you take the younger corner first? I, I guess my point is though, if, if you look at like, if we start talking about just the impact cornerstone guys, it feels like the Browns have more of those, especially when we're talking homegrown guys. Now, obviously, John Johnson was not a homegrown guy, and, and it's probably splitting hairs career-wise between him and Jesse Bates. But it feels like the Browns have maybe the better individuals, but the Bengals' defense has sort of been like good enough as a unit to, to do what they need to do. Yeah, I think... I think the Browns have a better defense than the Bengals. I think that the Browns, they grade out better in pass coverage. They grade out better in pass rush in most of the stuff. They're pretty similar against the run. But, I mean, if the point, again, and the the targeted point of these podcasts is comparing the Browns to the Bengals, there's nothing the Bengals' defense has that the Browns are jealous of. the, The Bengals did make plays when they needed to, but... Other than defensive tackle, there's no area where the Bengals are clearly better than the Browns. And I think in general, most of the areas lean toward the Browns. I think the Bengals secondary is pretty good. But we had a conversation about whether the Browns had the best secondary in the NFL. You know, they signed Trey Hendrickson at defensive end. I thought that that was not a great signing because I thought a lot of it was sort of like some false stats in New Orleans. And I didn't know that he would work out. He played great. He's not Miles Garrett. Nobody thinks he's Miles Garrett. The linebackers, I think the Browns linebackers are, are pretty clearly better than the Bengals. So they've got some good interior defensive tackles, and the Browns tackles didn't play very well this year. But the defense that is in the Super Bowl 
trying to stop Sean McVay is not as good as the Browns defense. I guess, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to, to figure out what, what the Bengals did was so different than what the Browns did, right? I mean, the Browns, like I said, it's been very homegrown. The Bengals, who usually don't spend a lot of money, did go out and spend money. They get Trey Hendrickson. They bring in Mike Hilton. Uh, you know, Awuzie is a, another guy they signed. You know, Jesse Bates is a homegrown guy, but. Von know, Bell is Von Bell's been there a year or two. Von Bell was a huge acquisition for them. He was a guy from Ohio State yeah. who came in with the Saints and had the game clinching interception, but has like as a really high level kind of foundational, not maybe all pro level, but like a foundational kind of guy that they kind of caught in the middle of his career. So Ashley, can the Browns defense be good enough to sort of, I mean, we saw it in that 41-16 win in Cincinnati, that defense was incredible. That was a defensive win. Uh, you know, I know Baker had an efficient game. I know Nick Chubb went crazy, but that was a defensive win in that game. It started with Denzel Ward, and, and they were just – that was one of Joe Burrow's worst games. Is what the Browns can possibly be defensively, their ceiling, I guess how much higher is it than Cincinnati's, and is that enough to kind of close the gaps that there are when, when you look at the offensive side of the ball? I don't know how to put a numeric value on how much higher their ceiling is. Just, I I do think it's higher. And the biggest reason is I think just the fact that these guys have one year down of playing together now. And obviously we talked so much, or I wasn't here yet, but you guys talked so much about the injury said how that they weren't out on the field together a ton in training camp. They were never really all out there together due to injuries and other things. So By the time they kind of hit their stride, obviously the offense was so far gone at that point. So I think overall, like, you know, we talked about John Johnson, the third, like he has another year here. He played better with the Rams than he did here, adjusting to a new role. Um, So I think he has kind of nowhere to go, but up uh, and that secondary, just all being together and having more experience now, I think is going to be really lethal, but I think even if this defense, like say this year or the year after that, whatever hits its peak with most of the same personnel, I still think what really needs to make more strides is the offense. And you need more consistent quarterback play. You need better tight ends. You need receivers who can make big plays and catch the ball. Like until you get or address some of those problems, I guess, like no matter how good the defense is, I think there's a ceiling on your team that's lower still. I do think the Browns defense is closer to being a defense that can carry a Super Bowl team than the Bengals is. And we talked about this a lot on the offensive pod that we did Wednesday, but that Joe Burrow had to make up for a lot of stuff. It's like you have a great quarterback and a great receiving core, and then they make up for things. But the Bengals had to make up for some of the things because their offensive line is that good and because their defense is good. It's very, it's very good in certain areas. but. I don't think anybody believes that this would, it would be like a defense first kind of team. Like if you took, if you'd have a great quarterback play, it's like, okay, I I do think the upside, Dan, I don't know. Don't is the upside of this Browns defense, a defense. I don't know if carries the right word, but lead a team to the Super Bowl. that it's like, Hey, if you had to give, give me five players, why the Browns are in the Super Bowl this year. It's like, well, number one's miles Garrett. Number two is Denzel Ward. Number three is Jeremiah Wosu-Kormoa. Number four is John Johnson, the third and number five is Nick Chubb, right? I mean, is that, I, I, I could, I could see that being the case for the Browns. 
Yes, and I think there's I think there's more upside in this Browns defense than in this Bengals defense. I think the Bengals defense kind of is what it is when you look at the age of their guys. You know, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard have been a pretty good duo together this year, but they're both, you know, Trey Hendrickson is 28, Sam Hubbard is 27. Those guys aren't old, but they're not going to be, they're not going to get better, right? They are kind of are what they are at this point. You know, Miles Garrett is still, yeah, what is Miles Garrett, 26 or just turned 26? Denzel Ward is still really young. Greg Newsom, like I said, really young. These core guys on the Browns are still really young and still growing. And I think even, even with Miles, as great as he's been, we talked about it, I think, on a pod last week, there is still an upside there with Miles. There is still like a next level with Miles that he can get to. And I don't know if there is a next level for a lot of these guys on the Bengals. I think they sort of, I think they're kind of what they are, which is fine because a lot of these guys are really good. But I don't know if they're like, I don't think there's a next level Trey Hendrickson or a next level Sam Hubbard. I think these guys, what we're seeing from them right now is what they are. And that's why the Browns defense, I think they were showing it a little bit in that second half of the season. They can become that unit that like, hey, when the offense is struggling or whatever, you know, they can hold Green Bay to a field goal in the second half and, and keep you in a football game. And like what the Bengals defense, what they did best this offseason was they made some really good targeted free agent acquisitions. Trey Hendrickson, Awuzie, Mike Hilton was a guy that when we all talked about, hey, the Browns need a slot corner. I know when we did our ideal offseason, Mike Hilton was on a lot of people's lists and the Browns got Troy Hill and the Bengals signed Mike Hilton, and Mike Hilton was awesome this year. But Troy Hill was also good. So I think a lot of the things that the Bengals did best with those signings, the Browns matched. Okay, the, the Bengals got Hendrickson. Well, the Browns got Clowney. The Bengals signed Mike Hilton. Well, the Browns got Troy Hill. The Bengals got Awuzie. The, the Browns got John Johnson the third. They had a lot of targeted stuff, but what they were adding to Dan, what you've been saying, the Browns were adding to some homegrown core defensive pieces that the Bengals can't match because the Bengals homegrown core pieces are on offense. So it's like, Hey Bengals, how come you don't have more homegrown core defensive pieces? And they're like, well, because we have Jamar chase. How do you like that? It's like, Oh, well, that's pretty good. But that's why I do. I think, I think right now the Browns are better and the upside is better. So (laughs) I guess the question you've got to ask yourself then is like, I mean, we're assuming the offense for the Browns is going to be better. Uh, We're assuming they're going to go attack this receiver position some way or another, right? We talked about it on, on Wednesday's podcast, how they can go attack it, whether it's free agency, the draft, all, all of the above, whatever it is, we, we know the offense is going to get better. I guess in the modern NFL, would you rather have, an offense like the Bengals or a defense like the Browns or what we think the Browns defense can be. And I, 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 I want to say like, this isn't like, I, this isn't like an, a question of would you rather be the Bengals or the Browns? I'm just curious, like in the, like, which would you rather have right now? I, my answer to anything regarding this Browns Bengals comparison is give me the Bengals passing game over any other thing I can have on either team. So unless it would be a kicker, I might take Evan McPherson first 
Bengals passing game second. I'm just kidding. So actually, I mean, that that's just where I am. And it might be because I like shiny things. But that's the biggest difference here that we've talked about now for two days. And that's where I would start. If you have the opportunity to trade it or start, I, I'll start with a top 10 quarterback and three big time receivers that you can believe in. Yeah, I have to agree with Doug. I mean, one of these teams is in the Super Bowl and the other one is not. So I think when you look at the two, like the starkest difference between them is in that passing game and how the Browns were just totally ineffective from that for whatever reason down the stretch of this season. Um, It didn't look like it was going to be that way earlier in the season, but that's ultimately what happened. So you have to find a way to fix that because if you don't, I think you're wasting the prime of the key pieces of this defense. Yeah. It's that complimentary football thing, I I guess, but that, you know, but then I look at the team, the Bengals are going to play on Sunday night. That's a pretty good defense over there. I mean, I mean, the Browns can be that type of defense. They have the pieces, you know, they've got a potential shutdown corner. They've got, they've got their sort of Aaron Donald, He's obviously a different position, but they, they have that guy on the, on the defensive line to build around. Um, you know, they've got, you know, they took the, they took the Rams safety and, and nickel corner. So they've got the potential to sort of look, you know, this is a chasing the Bengals series, but do the Browns have more potential to look like the Rams than the Bengals when all is said and done. I think that's possible. I do think a lot of the discussion here in the end really comes down to Andrew Barry because a lot of the discussions we're having is listen if you don't have some kind of core then you're nowhere and that's where the Browns were for 20 years they didn't have a core whether it's homegrown or not but often if you're losing it's going to be homegrown because you're going to acquire these core guys through the draft they have a core we all know who those guys are but I think the Rams and Bengals show you if you can add the right kind of pieces in an offseason to a core, whether it's Trey Hendrickson and uh, Wuzier and Hilton and guys like that, or whether it's Odell Beckham Jr. and Vaughn Miller and the guys that the Rams acquired in the middle of the season, and they made that trade for Jalen Ramsey a couple of years ago. You, when you're good, you've got to keep hitting to be great. But I don't think there's anything the Bengals and the Rams have done in the last 12 months that Andrew Barry and the Browns can't do. But it's a reminder that you can never stop getting better. And really, Ashley, doesn't that apply to all of us? So don't, and I don't think the Browns are. They're not resting on their laurels, but they better, they need this offseason, they need to get another Mike Hilton kind of acquisition. And can you imagine? if they went and got a Von Miller type of acquisition and can you, because those are the reasons that the Rams and the Bengals are in this spot. I, I just, I guess I almost feel like when, when you look at this, <laughs> so I've, I've got the DVOA numbers pulled up, right? Cincinnati is such a weird team. They're 17th in total DVOA, 18th in offense, 19th in defense. The Rams are fifth overall, eighth in offense, fifth in defense. It almost feels like if you were building a team, you'd rather it look like the Rams. But maybe this just all goes back to Joe Burrow. Maybe you would just rather have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and this crazy good offense that 
you know, and, and that quarterback with that it factor. I, it, it's just like, I love where the Browns defense is at right now and what they did against the Bengals. I mean, how much stock do you guys put in that long-term that they were able to beat the Bengals when both teams were relatively whole the Browns dominated that game. The defense dominated that game. Does that carry any long-term and any long-term impact for you? I mean, I do think, and we've talked about this so much throughout the year and Mary Kay brings it up that the Browns just seem to match up with this Bengals offense for whatever reason. So that does carry some weight with me. And like the biggest matchup I think in this is what Greg Newsom did against Jamar Chase and just how well he did against him. And the fact that both those guys are still young, like, is this kind of a rivalry that we're going to be watching for the next, I don't even know how many years, like that part of it to me is, is a big upside. But again, it's like all the offensive issues, like how much can that defense ultimately like sustain the Browns long-term without some serious offensive help. But I don't think it should be discounted how well they match up against them. That doesn't matter to me that much because it's not a question of the Browns beating the Bengals. It's a question of which team, the Browns or Bengals, or just for looking at the Browns, can beat three or four good teams in the playoffs. And I do think when we talk about the quarterback and the receivers that gives the Bengals a better chance to do that. And at some point, I I think I'll wrap up this series maybe with some, there's some luck component here because if Patrick Mahomes doesn't run backwards 20 yards and the chiefs beat the Bengals, we would not be doing a series. Hey, let's do a series about the Browns and how they match up to the team that lost the AFC championship game. Be like, well, who cares? They're not on the Super Bowl, And it's like, Oh, how do they match to the chiefs? They're not the chiefs. They're not Tyree kill, whatever. They're not that, but we're doing this because of what happened we can't ignore results, but there is some, there's a little voodoo magic in some of this stuff. How are the Bengals here? It's unbelievable. But I think in the end, that's good for the Browns because what, at least the way I came into this season was, well, how are you going to beat the chiefs? All right, cool. You did all this stuff. How do you get through the chiefs? And the Bengals showed how to get through. I don't exactly know what the answer is because there's some crazy stuff in there. But that part of it, the Bengals aren't perfect. The Bengals, Dan, are a middle-of-the-pack NFL team by DVOA, but they're in the Super Bowl. So the Browns don't have to be perfect to get to the Super Bowl. But which of the franchises is positioned to make a couple big plays against really good teams in January? Right now, that definitely feels like it's the Bengals' better position to do that three times to get to the Super Bowl, And that's what the Browns have to work on. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's an element of, it's not really like you make your own luck, but it's like, are you in position to take advantage of that stuff? Are you able to like Tom Brady, they just did a whole 30 for 30 on the tuck rule. And I saw an interview on somebody posted a video clip on Twitter, of Tom Brady saying, if they called that a fumble instead of an interception, he's not sure if he's even the starting quarterback the next season. And then we can go through some Tom Brady Super Bowl wins and be like, well, if if Seattle runs the ball, if uh, Robert was it Robert Woods who had a drop for the Rams? I mean, there's luck in every single, even the greatest of all times resume. There's luck for all of it. But 
when the chips were down, Tom Brady made the plays, right? <laughs> like Tom Brady, when those opportunities presented themselves, made the plays and consistently put his team in position to take advantage of some of those lucky breaks. Uh, that That's kind of football. And I think Joe Burrow has done that for the Bengals. When, when they get that interception off Ryan Tannehill on who knows what Ryan Tannehill was seeing when he threw that ball, Joe Burrow makes the two throws he needs to make and Evan McPherson kicks the game winning field goal. So, so I, I do think like that, there's a lot of luck in all of it, but when you have a, when you have a Joe Burrow, just to bring this, let's bring the defensive discussion back to the quarterback. When you have that guy, sometimes that's, that's what puts you in position to take advantage of that stuff. But the Browns have the better defense. Yes. <laughs> in conclusion, it did Browns establish that have the better defense and the worst kicker. The thing, when I wrote the intro piece to this, I didn't quite say it this way because I didn't want everyone to yell at me. The, <laughs> the Browns are a better football team than the Bengals. And, and, I, and there, there's metrics out there that support that. Yeah, and I think people understand what I mean by that. Because being the better football team, the better football team doesn't always win. But the thing that the Bengals are better at more directly leads to points because they're better at quarterback, receiver, and kicker. That's the three spots and defensive tackle. The four spots where the Bengals are definitively better than the Browns. Three of them are point scoring. And the Browns are very good in a lot of things that don't lead to direct point scoring. And here we are. So that, but the Browns built it, quote, right. But they went eight and nine. So uh, I think, I think that's where I am, but, but I don't want to, I mean, I wasn't going to put a headline. The Browns are a better football team than the Bengals and have the entire sense of, cause that's not what it's about. It's not about trying to have the best DVOA ranking. It's win a Super Bowl. So a thousand percent credit to everybody involved with the Bengals for making this happen. That's going to be the headline of this pod. I know. Doug, Doug says, I knew. Browns are better than the Bengals. I'm going to see Whoa. if we can get like a, a bigger, like bigger text even just to put it like, we might just take everything else off the Browns page and just put that as the uh, long thing on it. Yeah. But I mean, like Doug's not wrong. Once again, I'm agreeing with Doug twice is the world ending. I mean, he's not wrong when you really, when you break it down, like he did in that intro story, the Browns are either better than the Bengals or right on par with them at a majority of positions. But again, the positions that they perform better than lead to points on the board. And at the end of the day, that's worked in their favor. And again, look how many games uh, Evan McPherson has won for them at the last second with walk-off kicks. Like Chase McLaughlin wasn't doing that this year. I hate to say if, if they made it this far, that was not going to happen. It was not in the cards. To, to slightly pull this back around the defense before we go, two of the Bengals' top five graded defensive players in PFF were defensive tackles this year. DJ Reader was their number one guy in PFF, and BJ Hill was number five. And then Larry Ogunjobi, as we know, the former Brown, was also in that defensive tackle mix. They are light years. At, they were light years ahead of the Browns at defensive tackle. I, I don't know, Dan, how much that matters. I don't think the Bengals are in the Super Bowl because of their defensive tackles. But if there's any place where the Browns would try to learn something from the Bengals or try to copy something or be jealous of, that's the spot where it is because they got 
pretty high-level play from a couple guys, and the Browns just rotated a bunch of guys, and nobody really got it done. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a tough position. I think when you can have, like, a monster in there, when you can have, you know, an Aaron Donald's different than everybody else, but um, when you can have a Chris Jones or, you know, any of the, any of the really just monster defensive tackles, it can be game-changing. Other than that, kind of just trying to cobble stuff together. And I don't think the Browns want to spend a lot of money on that position unless it would be for a guy, just an absolute monster. But, you know, look, if they didn't need a receiver so bad at 13, I wouldn't be opposed to looking at some of these inside guys, you know, but you just can't afford to use that asset on on a defensive interior guy. I know there's a lot of mock drafts that have them go in defensive tackle in the second round. I think Devontae Wyatt from Georgia is a guy that you will see in a lot of mock drafts to the Browns. The Bengals did invest there a little bit. DJ Hill was a pretty, or DJ Reader, excuse me, was a pretty good, pretty big free agent signing for them. And then BJ Hill, they got in a trade, straight trade for Billy Price, who was a number one pick for the Bengals and a failed offensive lineman. So that's capital though. They traded a first round pick to get him. And then those guys played pretty well. So I agree. I don't, think that's really high on the priority list in general when you're building a team but it is an area where the browns need to get better one way or the other for next year but if it comes down to it in the second round kicker or defensive tackle i'm definitely going kicker i'm Ooh, kidding second round a second yeah. round kicker was it the bucks took what did they take aguayo in the second roberto aguayo in the I second round so, several yeah. years ago and then they won the super bowl seven <laughs> years later <laughs> and it got him tom brady yeah. So, uh, but defensive tackles on the list of needs for sure. Yeah, I, I think so too. All right. Uh, there we go. Our, uh, our posts uh, comparing the Browns and the Bengals are going up all week on cleveland.com slash Browns. Ashley had the kicker post. I've got a receiver post going up. It went up on Thursday. Uh, Doug's going to bring us home with quarterbacks, I believe on Friday. Uh, of course, we're going to be doing a coach draft here on Friday as well on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. So make sure you're subscribed on Apple and Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. I don't know what other options are out there. Google Play, some random app I'm too old to know about. If you're on that app, subscribe to the Orange Brown Talk podcast and become a football insider subscriber to Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue band at the top of the page. Doug and Ashley, I'll talk to you later.